What's up, y'all? How you doing? My name is Dre, and this is the Painted Line Skull Edition. Now, in this episode, I will be dissecting what went well and what went wrong in Sunday's game versus the Cardinal. Now, let's start off with the positive things first because... You know I like my dessert first. The first thing is, is that the offensive line stepped up. Following a game where the offensive line was responsible for 70 yards of penalties, the entire team did not incur a penalty until a little under eight minutes left in the third quarter. And this was great as the offensive line also only allowed one sack and the defense only pressured Kirk about 21% of the time. For a defense that last week had pressured the opposing quarterback 31% of the time with five sacks coming from Chandler Jones alone, this is an amazing accomplishment. It really allowed Kirk to do a lot of great things. This week, he was only pressured two times and he escaped both times for a total of 35 yards. Now, this mostly came from one play where he ran for 29 yards. But overall, Kirk really played amazingly. He threw completions on 22 out of 32 attempts for 244 yards with three touchdowns with a passer rating of 122. And for the second week, he also was able to bring the offense into a position to win the game. And this, frankly, again, is because the receivers were pretty good all around with Jefferson, Thielen, and Osborne all getting paid. But the shining star of this game is KJ Osborne, as he really solidified himself as the number three receiver. He caught five of six for 91 yards and came in clutch to set up the final kick, which I'll get into later. The other two were pretty good too, with Thielen getting six out of his seven passes for 39 yards and Jefferson getting six out of this, his 10 receptions for 65 yards, though he needed to catch that one last one. And they really were able to put up numbers, but especially for Osborne, because he has really worked his way up from solely being a special teams player last year. So this is pretty amazing. And additionally, Cook got cooking. Now, though he did not make it to the end zone this week, he was still able to get a buck 31 on 22 carries with an average yard per carry, about six yards. And he's arguably our best player. And getting him running really pushes the opposing team to fill up the box. And then we let our QB go and light up the field, which he did. And this is really great, especially with a defense that was able to hold down Derrick Henry, who did amazingly this week somehow. But in last week's game, was only held to 58 yards. For us to essentially double that is a really great indication. But we all know that how good, honestly, Cook is. Give that nine out of ten. Another good thing that came out of this is the defensive front seven. They were utterly fantastic with Nick Vigil and Daniel Hunter being the standouts here. Vigil was all over the field. He had four solo tackles along with a pick six to open up the second half. He was then supported by Eric Hendricks who got nine tackles of his own. These two linebackers are really pretty amazing and hopefully in whenever Barr comes back, this team of three linebackers could be the best in the league. But the 
biggest defensive highlight was obviously Hunter, who got five solo tackles, three of which were sacks on Kyler Murray. Now, Murray is an obviously mobile quarterback that can cause a lot of damage, but Daniil showed in this game that he is worth every single penny that the Vikings should pay him. He is an absolute monster and there's a hell of amount left in the tank. Again, pay this man. Do not let these sacks go away only because the Vikings lost. He did more than half of what Jones did in the last game, but it might be forgotten because they lost this game. But Daniil Hunter was a monster in this game and frankly, they really need to keep pushing him going forward into the season. And frankly, they need to sign him to an extent because if they don't, I mean, the Vikings really are going to screw up their defense if it's not screwed up already. But before I get into that, I will say that these defensive actions made the secondary look better than it was. But there were some decent highlights. Xavier Woods came up with the INT late in the game, but the highlight was Pat P, who was majorly lined up with Hop. Now, Hopkins only had four receptions on four targets. Three of those were not covered by a P squared. One was across up the middle, one was covered by Mackenzie Alexander, and the last was a zone coverage, and Hop found the opening. The only pass that was covered by P-squared was the one that ended up being a touchdown, but on this play, Murray had about six seconds before he had to throw the ball to Hop. This allowed for Hop to spin around and go left when Murray did, and it crossed up Peterson, and that was a good job by Hop. However, those four targets and passes were in the first quarter. The other three quarters, Hopkins was completely silent. The damn veggies. Unfortunately, though, like I said in the pregame, Murray has a lot of weapons. He doesn't need to rely on arguably the best receiver in the league to make plays. Murray was able to make 25 other completions to six other players. He threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns on 36 attempts with a passer rating of 117.6, which is a little higher than last week. Honestly, shout out to him, though. He's a great quarterback and respect is given when it's due. And frankly, even though like I said that we should try to keep him in the pocket as much as we can it's really unrealistic to think that we could keep him in the entire game because he obviously can move around which obviously adds a lot to a defensive game plan or not so much of one because this has been an area where the vikings have struggled the past two games the biggest concern is Rashad Breeland once again last game Breeland was torched by Jamar Chase for a 50-yard touchdown and receiver T Higgins who left him clutching his ankles and nothing against the guy as a person but as a player he's becoming a problem if he isn't one already hopefully at this point though Zimmer has realized this issue as he eventually brought in second year player Cameron Dantzler who was inactive in week one despite not having any injury indications but in this week he came in for 16 plays over Breland and then came up clutch near the end of the game so hopefully going forward we'll see more of Dantzler and less of Breland I think that we can't have him in as many plays maybe if he hops in more but frankly at this point it's becoming a really big issue and if they don't change that up maybe the other ones aren't as good but Breland's getting targeted way too much at this point for us to keep him there and keep him covering some of their high-end players now the biggest reaction for this game is obviously for the second straight week the Vikings have put themselves in a position to win on the road and also for the second straight week they found a way to lose in the most Vikings way possible
possible. Now, I don't blame the kicker for this play. Greg Joseph seemingly has put up good numbers. And in this game, specifically, he got a second 52-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which did put up the Vikings 33-31. Now, he did miss one extra point, which arguably would have, if he had made it, it would have been a very different game. Ignoring that, though, saying that he got this 52-yarder is a big deal because this is his second 52-yard field goal in this game. This is his third official 52 plus yards field goal in the last two games and fourth if you include the one before the Bengals called a timeout in the last second. Unfortunately, like Blair Walsh and Gary Anderson and others for him, he went wide right in the remaining seconds of the game. And honestly, you can look at it, this image here. He knew that he missed as soon as he kicked it. Now, the biggest question here is why did we run out the clock so that the kick was the last play of the game? Now, one could argue here that Osborne had put us right down in the center of the field and it was perfect placement for Joseph. But we had 40 seconds left, our offense was moving well down the field, and we had a timeout. We could have run at least one more play. Maybe not a run with Cook at that time because it seemed that he had a small ankle injury, but maybe run a passing play to Thielen or Jefferson or even Osborne again. Kirk has been playing well up to this point. He's been making, relatively speaking, smart decisions. So even if they weren't able to break free, you could at least attempt to get to the end zone or get closer and make it an easier kick for Joseph. Yes, 37 yards he should make as well. That is part of his job description. Having said that though, 40 seconds is such a good amount of time. Now all receivers have produced at this point, but Zimmer here decided to run down the clock instead of running at least one more play. They could have run a few more too if they really wanted to push it. I get the argument that you may not want to give Kyler Murray any time left because he can make plays if there's a few seconds left on the game. It doesn't take him very long to get a play on. Zimmer may have decided to do this because of what happened last week with Cook's officially recorded fumble, but that shouldn't matter here because the question with Zimmer is that are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Because if you're playing to not lose, you're worrying about what might go wrong. You just want to do the safety thing. You're not willing to put in risks. If you're playing to win, you're doing whatever is necessary to accomplish your goal outside of being reckless. You aggressively try to put points on the board. If you're playing not to lose, you're more cautious than anything. You want to avoid mistakes and thus you hold back. Instead of using all your abilities and players to push the scale to your side, you wait. And that's what Zimmer did here in the last 40 seconds. Because before Sunday's game, teams with a pick six, three or more passing touchdowns, 175 plus rushing yards were 78 and one throughout NFL history. That is almost a 99% win rating. After Sunday, the record is now 78 and two. The Vikings were able to accomplish that minute percent chance of 1.3. Even with this 1.3% chance of loss, the Vikings, as I mentioned, again, did produce well enough for me to be optimistic about this season. We have 15 more games to go and we played well in certain aspects. You know what that means? This team has grit they have heart and they can win if they fix the small amount of problems that they had let's keep a little optimism there is an upside the season may be long but anything's possible now let me know in the comment section what your thoughts on the game and subscribe for more of the painted line skull edition you can also follow me on twitter at skull edition and also at the painted lines and look out later this week for week three preview plus the week three reaction coming next week but until then skull let's go vikings